Hey everyone, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nass Traveler. I am Meredith Carey, and with me as usual is my co-host Lolly Ericoglu. Hello. And we have a return cast this week. Over the summer in June, we talked about the curse of the beach read, and now we have our bookiest friends uh, back in the <laughs> podcast studio. We have uh, Jen Dilling-Martin, the associate publisher at Riverhead Books, and Polly Dibner, our managing editor here at Traveler to come and talk about all of the amazing books, new and old, that we read on trips in transit in 2018. The only requirements for this game are that they have to be written by women and you had to have read them in movement, you know, on vacation, on a train, plane, in a car, though don't get car sick. Um, no, walking to work. Right. <laughs> you know, I feel like maybe no, that feels like that an... Cheating, that's cheating. <laughs> that feels I, like cheating a I don't bit. know. The commute feels like an odyssey. So. <laughs> Lale, I guess we'll just do a round table and go zip, zap, zap around the circle. Ooh. You guys will know what order we sit in now. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you want to go first? Oh, I'm going to start with a book that... From what I remember, Paulie, I don't think you liked that much. I can't wait. Is it a Kushner? Yes. Yeah, it's, so, the, it's the Kushner I'm not going to talk about. So <laughs> I read The Mars Room by Rachel mm. Kushner. It is her third novel. I read it on a trip to San Francisco, and it is set in the Bay Area about a woman who was convicted of murder and sent away for life. I went back and forth about how much I loved it. I... <laughs> Loved the flamethrowers. That's on my list. Which is, couldn't put it down. And the Mars Room I found more challenging, but I still can't stop thinking about it. Okay, Mm. fair enough. And did you finish it, Paulie? No, no, I bailed. Sorry, full confession, I bailed. I love Rachel Kushner. So I had not, before the Mars Room, read the flamethrowers. Oh, that's a tough one if you're lispy intended. (laughs) Um, I'd read her second in between the two. And I picked up The Mars Room because I was super excited. It was a big release for 18 and could not get more than 30% of the way through it. I just found it, like, she can be a tough read. I just, it was so, so, like, slow and and lopping and the, like, back and forth between, like, her, who, I mean, who knows? I'm sure it it got better, but, because the world really loved it, but I, I could not stand the, like, amount of time it took to get to do a thing in that there's there's been a lot of time on a bus yeah and i think oh i think one of the yeah you you have to get past the bus right (laughs) (laughs) which does take up a lot of pages yeah it's like the list of ships in the iliad (laughs) this isn't like a huge spoiler and i'm sorry but like the bus ride's so fucking long that someone dies (laughs) (laughs) i I actually don't know if i got past the bus ride (laughs) can you say what you keep thinking about without giving a spoiler just like in a broad way what has haunted you or stuck with you about it I think it's incarceration in America Mm, in general is what I keep thinking about because I think she did paint a really vivid picture of what those places are like Um, and the New Yorker did a really good profile on her yes she talked a lot about how she spent a lot of time in women's prisons in the States and in California speaking to different women that had been convicted for different crimes and had spent a lot of time there and women who are totally lost in the system. And I haven't lived in America very long, but one thing that I do feel here is that often once you start falling, there's no net to catch you. And that was what I took away from that book. 
Mm. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a book that you labored over, Polly, but that you actually ended up loving and sticking with? In my world or in this year? In this in this game that we're playing. Um, Polly's looking down like it's a bingo card. I'm a voracious reader, so I had to like make a list of things that I want to talk about. Not on this, no, not in 2018. There was nothing I, I mean, I bailed hard on on the Mars Room. And I could go back, if you're telling me to go back, I will always give a book a third shot. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, that was snarky. Um, but I, I will tell you the Neapolitan novels, which is not a 2018 read for me, that was a labor of love. I really, mm, mm-hmm. really loved them, but it just like, I really had to convince myself that I loved them. Oh, the so, first half of the first book. You have yeah. to be like, I, I yeah. know that this is going to be amazing and there yeah. is a huge reward at the end, yeah. but it I was, have to... Well, and see, my, 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 I might be one of the few in the Olena Ferrante readership who read the first book and didn't go on to read the second or the third because I didn't feel a connection with the characters. I kind of want to watch the miniseries that's on HBO. It's so good. Um, just to like get reacquainted with the characters so that I might, again, like mm-hmm. give it a second chance or third for the second uh, book but yeah I mean that is like a series that I feel like everyone else loved and I liked but not enough to keep Meredith I have to say I so I started and stopped the first book three times labor of love and and basically announced to everyone that I thought it was crap and (laughs) then then there was a point where it was just too humiliating not to have read them and so I, I once again tried and my perspective on it is that book one is literally world building the way like J.R. Token almost has to build a world and then it's actually only with the very final scene of book one and then beginning book two that do you actually get down in the weeds with the emotional lives of these characters. So I, I still don't actually like book one <laughs> but I loved then everything that came after that. So if, if that's any That's any, a super like, fast, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. so true. I've never thought like, of it that here's way. Here's the streets and here's the stores and here's the family architectures and here's I don't yeah, know, it's like that weird little map you have at the beginning of the whole. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, She's and like, I had actually reached out to HBO because we do a lot of filming location galleries at Traveler, and I had said, you know, where did you guys film in Italy? Like, we'd love to do a gallery, and they were like, we actually built the entire. They wow. built a set out for the town wow. because it's so specific wow. that they couldn't go into Naples and be like, here we are, wow. because it is so specific to the book, and so they actually like built a tiny town on a soundstage to be able to actually recreate this world. Um, And I was like, "Mm, that's not going to do so well for a filming (laughs) location gallery, but super interesting. Jin, is there like a top book that you want to share with us? Well, I'll I'll share one I really, really enjoyed recently on a trip. And essentially what happened was that, you know, my little brag moment is Riverhead had two of the six finalists for the National Book Award this year, which is crazy. We only published 10 novels a year, so to have two was pretty... Awesome, and it was it was Florida by Lauren Groff and The Friend by Sigrid Nunez, and because I'm a very dark and competitive person, I'm a Virgo. Obviously, I was like, well, I have to read the other four to find out if there <laughs> any, if there are any competition for us. Um, and so, one that I read on my flight to Amsterdam was The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, and. 
basically <laughs> by midway somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, I was sobbing so hard, so hard, so hard just crying, weeping. And my partner who was with me was like, oh my God, are you okay? What's happening? What's going on? And through my like sniffles, I was like, I mean, I should have known a novel about the 80s AIDS crisis was not going to have <laughs> a happy trajectory, but did she have to do this? Oh my God. Uh, it almost feels like a good novel from the, you know, the 19th century. Like, it's just like big, deep characters, you know, really pretty straightforward storytelling. It does jump between the 80s and present day, but really just people you fall in love with and and their their love lives, their work lives, their family lives, and the, the roller coaster ups and downs of that, but in, a, in an incredibly gorgeous portrait of Chicago in the 1980s and, and you know, yeah. Lale, I know you were I a fan. I mean, I'm just obsessed Go with Go for it. Do it. Um, <laughs> Bring it. I think I, like, saw Pauly walking down the hall with it onto her arm and that she came running towards her being like, <laughs> where are you in it? Um, I mean, yeah, I was an absolute mess by the time I got to the end of the book. And I think, you know, there are certain characters in it who, you know, you could call it hope or you could call it denial um, mm. Mm. when thinking about their own fates and like as the reader I was the same like mm. almost to the very end I was like mm. I, I was like yeah. it's, but gonna, it's, it's gonna, gonna be fine it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine yeah and god she makes you fall in love with some of the people in that book yeah she does and I'm around the same age as a lot of the characters in it and that really it made me think of my circle of friends and the relationships mm -hmm. that I've, in the past few years among mm. like different people in that and it just felt so it really brought alive a period in time where I was too young you know, I was a tiny baby to be cognizant of what was happening and, yeah. and it actually gave me this really deeper understanding mm -hmm. of like the collective trauma from mm -hmm. that and also I don't think you can read that book without thinking of the politics in this country right now absolutely absolutely she others really well in that book, which I think is super impressive. She like she makes you fall in love with like her protagonists and her antagonists. Like mm -hmm. no one is actually an enemy mm -hmm. outside of the disease mm -hmm. and the like greater mm -hmm. national narrative about the disease. Mm -hmm. I think she does a really incredible job of of telling that story. But she also really really gets at the other othering that happened with AIDS. Mm -hmm. And like being gay in the '80s in in city culture, and how how intense that was, and how um, scary that could be, mm -hmm. and it was just God, it was so beautifully written. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite characters, not a spoiler, is his boss at the gallery. Oh yeah, and she is just—it's this like incredibly like mean, lean-in, like bitchy lady who you just like who is a, a bad guy and also amazing, and she is so beautifully beautifully written and worked through in like character development. Read the book. It's so okay. good. One of my only picks, my only fiction picks, is actually a book that you just mentioned, which is Florida, which I read start to finish on a 20-hour flight uh, this Oh, my year. God. Um, <laughs> I actually read it for the first time in manuscript, but on a flight also. It's so intense to read on a flight. And that's, it's one of those things where I think if I had had to start and stop it, like if I was reading on the subway on my way to work, it would have been a different experience mm -hmm. and I wouldn't mm -hmm. have felt so, like, in it, like sunken into it. 
but it was the only book that I had packed and I really didn't want to watch a movie. And I was like, well, I guess we're, we're going for it. And it's just like dark and it like you read it and you feel like humid and swampy. And it's like, it's just like a, it's, it's, it's a own. sweaty book. Yeah, it really is. And I read like basically all really crazy, like lady going on journey nonfiction this year. Those were some of my favorite books. And so for Florida to kind of like zip in there, um, it was awesome. And it's one of two times when the person sitting next to me at the end of the flight has been like, wow, you finished that whole book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was not a Southwest flight. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have another one to share, Lolly? So The Great Believers was also on my list. Um, So I'm going to do a nonfiction which is a book that came out relatively recently, which is Rebecca Traister's Good and Mad. Great choice, yeah. It's out in hardcover right now. I was actually listening to a long-form interview with her, the podcast long-form, did an interview with her, and she wrote it so quickly. She, I think she wrote it in the space of a year. And it's like a big, it's, it's, it's a big mm, book. It's considerable size. And she examines women's anger and the history of women's anger and also the anger of women in the moment that we are living in right now. It felt very validating to read because I think, I mean, she talks about this so much, but, you know, you feel like you're not allowed to be angry and you internalize so much. I mean, all women Mm. internalize their rage so much. So to actually have someone Mm. putting it to Mm -hmm. paper and reading it on a page and being like, oh, wait, Everyone else feels like this. <laughs> like and in the entire history of women. Uh, like all, everyone else feels all like women. this. It's amazing not more of us commit murder. It's, <laughs> it's quite astonishing. The first book that I read this year was a mini biography book, like anthology of female serial killers. So we have we have done it. Nice. <laughs> We've gone full nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was going to say, it also actually is a good transition from Lauren Groff's Florida because... Florida really is her book about how furious she is as a woman in this world with the very male-dominated destruction of the environment and what that means for children and what's expected of a woman in terms of caretaking the natural world and her family and all of her anger. So it's it's like the nonfiction vibration of, of the same coin. What was the National Book Awards like? With like both of your babies, and oh only, my God, only Polly, one it could was win. So stressful. It was so only hard. one could win. And it's they both have the same editor too. So <gasps> are yes, yes. So poor Sarah McGrath has to sit at a table, and she's, were they both at the same table? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> what if they'd been at different tables? Like which who does Sarah sit with? Yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah. like you know junior high lunch table kind of situation. So that's were, so stressy and weird. It was super stressy. Sarah was like, actually, the only good outcome is for them both to lose because otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward where you're like, congratulations, and also like, so which is what happened. Yeah, which but is what also. happened. But but you know, Sigrid Nunez, who did win, is 68 years old now and deep in her career. And this felt like the book for her if she were going to win. So I I think it's. Have uh, you guys read the friend yet? Yeah, has anyone no, read the friend? I haven't. I I've can read the friend. Picture the as usual amazing cover. It's like very like primary and poppy with that like with the dog in the front. Yeah. 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 It is excellent. Yeah. I have it on my on my desk. You can have it if you want it for the holidays. Wow, thank you so much. My (laughs) only spoiler that I do want to say is nothing bad happens to the dog. So (laughs) there's a a a dog that's a central a Great Dane that's a central character, a woman in her Great Dane. And so many people stress tweeted 
after she won the National Book Award, I can't read any book where a bad thing happens to the dog. Nothing bad that happens. That we you finally decided. We were like, let's just go ahead and put it into the book description on Amazon, everyone. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing bad <laughs> happens to the dog. It's okay. I it's was okay. I was buying one of the books on my list at a bookshop in the West Village and the friend was on the counter because it had just won and I was like, oh my God, if you haven't read it, you have to read it. It's so excellent. And she was like, I can't read a book where something bad's going to happen to the dog. Polly, I'm telling and you. I was, like, I was like, don't worry. Like, it's, you're just, she was like, is it too sad? I was like, just read the book. Like, the dog's fine. I have a book full of dogs and puppers and <gasps> uh, huskies on my list, which oh, is Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube, Blair Braverman's book which is not new like it came out like a couple of years yeah, a couple ago. years ago but she is a competitive musher yep yeah so she's like oh. training for the Iditarod right now <gasps> she is like the goddess of dog twitter if you don't follow her What's she dog twitter it's literally just like pictures and stories about it's her dogs. It's the only good Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Truly the only good Twitter. It's on the dark web. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can read a lot about Blair on our site. She's written um, first person stories for us before, but she basically like moved to Scandinavia, like into the Arctic Circle to learn how to be a like sled dog musher. And it's about that experience and her growth and indecision and all of these crazy things that have happened in her life. Um, and it's it's another one of those stories where there are lots of dogs and they are all doing great and you can keep up with them, you know, on Twitter now. Yeah. Uh, um, these the thread- dogs? All of the dogs, and they all have fantastic names. One of the stars is Boudica. I, I I'm a Grinch fan and Flame, and they're so cute. Grinch and, and Flame? Oh, man, oh it's my just, God, you guys. It, it's a good story on its own, and I think, you know, it's a world that I will never be yeah. a part of. Um, is it a very male world also, generally? Yes, I would think. yes it is. And, like, going to school in rural Scandinavia yeah. and learning how to mush is, yeah. is not your average, like... Wow. American woman's wow. move. She's American, right? Not Canadian? Yeah, she's okay. American. And she lives in Alaska now. Yes. But yes, one, you should follow Blair on Twitter. Two, you should read her book, which was very good. Um, Polly, what else have you got on your list that doesn't have to do with dogs? That doesn't have to do with dogs. So I'm a massive Zadie Smith fan. And I think on my trip to Scotland, I read Swing Time. Um, have you guys read Swing Time? It was, I, I have. It's, yeah. it's just like... It's really excellent. She writes about women in a really incredible way. She writes about friendships in a really incredible way. And she writes about London. Like, just so spectacularly. It's so yeah. Like, I'm just so in awe of how she captures different experiences. And I, I just really love, like, learning from her in her work. So Swing Time is about, like, two friends as they're young in London. Um, and they, they are tap dancers. They're both kind of obsessed with tap dancing as like a hobby on a side and then they're like path as it splits and and as they grow up it's really beautiful it's an excellent book to read on the tra- while you're traveling it's a little hefty but I guess you could throw it on a kindle it's not that hefty it's like <laughs> no yeah I feel uh, like I remember it in like hardcover and it's like not it's not small it's like taking good nap on it. It's, it's not it's, a little light, yeah. but it's, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not. I'm, I'm reading a three and a half pound book right now, so maybe oh my, my standards God. are very, very skewed. Like I'm like swing time. <laughs> not, if only that's what I were carrying. It's definitely not three and a half pounds, but it's excellent. And I think um, she also had a book of essays that came out this year. Feel she free. Did. Yeah. yeah, she did. Yeah. She did. I have not read that one yet. That's on the TBR for 19. Have you done that one? 
Uh, I haven't read it straight through. I, I picked it up and was sort of revisiting. This was lazy of me. I was revisiting favorite essays that I'd already read in of hers in the New York Review books and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I really should have read ones that I hadn't read <laughs> rather than just being like, boy, I really want to reread that classic. Uh, that has a great jacket too, by the way. I love that. It's like a blue-yellow bullseye-looking thing that kind of oh, pops fun. out at you. Swingtime yeah. was beautifully designed, too. Also Swingtime was lovely. Yeah, yeah. beautifully designed. Like yeah. Bright yellow and, like, fun type. We are, um, like, fully the Judge a Book by its cover crowd. It, it's important. important. It's important. Also, like, in the golden age of book writing, golden age of, like, TV, like, design is so critical yeah. to get someone to pick something up off a shelf. Well, especially if you're a female writer, because female authors get very different covers from male authors, and it shows that it does matter. And I know Meg Wallitzer, another mm-hmm, Riverhead mm-hmm. author, has talked a lot about this. And she talked about it when she came on the podcast back in April. And, you know, you think of the Neapolitan novels, mm-hmm. for example. If a man had written those books, and so much of those books talks about politics mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and friendship, and it looks sort of like chiclet mm-hmm. from the cover. It was very frothy covers. Very mm-hmm. frothy. Like watercolory, very frothy. Like if I, and, and you know, this is probably more on me, but if I'd just seen them in an airport bookstore with no context, I probably would have just looked past them, which is terrible. Yeah. And on that spectrum, I was at the Natural History Museum um, and was at an oceans exhibit over the summer um, and saw a book about jellyfish in the bookstore. And it's like a beautiful, like royal blue cover with hot pink jellyfish not illustrations, but it's like a like a, those antique prints that lithographs, yeah, something like um, that. That show you they? like what the parts of a jellyfish are, and it's a book called Spineless. It's by Julie Burwald, and I thought Meredith, you cannot buy a book about jellyfish, no matter how pretty the cover it is. And then I ended up getting my hands on it, and I am three quarters of the way through. I've uh, read it on planes. I read it over Thanksgiving when I was home, and it is like so interesting it's about climate change it's about this woman's journey to like find her purpose it's about like how little we know about jellyfish and how much they're changing our world and our medicine and all these other things literally if you have run into me in the last three weeks you've probably gotten a lecture about jellyfish (laughs) i have learned so many things they're very smart like we know so little about them and the things that we do make them like so much cooler and more incredible and impressive than we ever imagined. Do they talk about octopus at all in that book? Because I'm also fa- I just like in the like squiggly <laughs> <is a> jellyfish <laughs> specific. Holly, no, what kind of question is that? <laughs> no, I just like no. they're like also no. gushy and wiggly. I saw a great <laughs> tiny octopus video the other day. Just curious. It put itself <laughs> to bed in a clam shell and it closed the clam. <laughs> Meredith, so let's just it be you and me next Hell. time. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Jellyfish. <laughs> well, no, I mean. I think it's one of those things that, again, if it hadn't had such a beautiful cover, I never would have been like, ooh, what's this mm-hmm. book about? And then I was like, oh, Jellyfish, a beautiful book about Jellyfish. It wouldn't have this beautiful of a cover if it wasn't interesting. And it has turned out to be incredibly interesting, and I could not recommend it enough as a person who is not super sciencey. Done. Yeah. Okay. Soapbox off. They're likely to be the only creatures to survive at the end of all the climate change. Yeah. So the future world will just be jellyfish. all our decrepit cities and, and jellyfish. And they <laughs> contain <laughs> like so why? much protein. And they also catching them is like much safer than catching like shrimp or any other fish because the nets can be bigger because you know they're so wobbly. And other fish can swim out, so there's not so much bycatch. I could go on. 
Also, do you know that that a version, this is something that Owen told me that I'm obsessed with, a version of plural, like a plural version, there are like eight different ways to pluralize octopus, is octopodes, and I think that's the <laughs> best octopodes? word on the planet. And you're like, why is everyone using octopi? That's so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Octopodes is amazing. You're a welcome universe. <laughs> um, Jin, after Spineless, what do you have? I well, I actually have a question for the group because there's this is maybe more on women rage or crazy women. There is a book that has gotten so much buzz this year that I have not gotten to read that I was curious if if anyone here has, which is called The Perfect Nanny. This has list. been like everyone's top my book of the year. The it totally caught me off guard. I was like, wait, I paid no attention when it came out, and then <laughs> the New York Times made it one of their top, top ten. Ten. Um, have Tell not read me. it. Um, Do you know like, anything about it? Saw that it was on the list. It's like based on a true story so, killer. So do you know, it's like happened several years ago in New York is this like the crazy nanny story where this nanny killed two of three children under her charge and the mom like mom came home and like it was just a total goddamn disaster. And this is a fictionalized account of that story. I'm so excited to read it. It has gotten so much praise and the- Oh, but you haven't read it yet either. No, no, no. So none of us- It's on my honeymoon list. I I was with my friend as she was reading it by the pool and- she could not put it down. Yeah. Like she was just just she she finished it like in the space of like twenty four hours. And of, then of course someone was like, So what you reading? And then she had to explain the plot and it was a real conversation killer. I was do- over the summer I was on vacation with a bunch of my roommate's friends, so people that I did not know, and I was reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, and they're like, ooh, how interesting, what a, what book is that? And I'm like, well, it's about a serial killer, and no one knows who he is, and all this other stuff, because the news hadn't come out yeah. yet. And everyone was like, oh, oh, okay, we're going to leave you to read that at the pool. I was like, thanks, guys, super mm-hmm. nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy my book. This is another on my list, though. So this is Patton oh, Oswalt's so wife, who good. passed away, but was trying to track down, and it's nonfiction. It is. It's nonfiction. And I think the most interesting part for me when reading it was it is as much about like her obsession with this case Mm. and like obsession with true crime and like trying to balance feeling like she could find the killer with her regular life, which had like nothing to do with serial killers. But yeah, it was one of those books where I was like, is this like this can't be real. And the whole time mm. you're like, no, this is nonfiction. Mm. Holy crap. Mm. On the topic of murder. <laughs> this is like a word <laughs> heavy on the dark. murder. We've gone dark. And then, we'll, then we can look back up. But someone else is going to talk about a favorite Riverhead book of mine this, this year, R.O. Kwan's The Incendiaries. That was me. That was me. It's on my list. Yeah. Um, thanks for the Isn't it a good? It's a good transition, right? <laughs> it's really good. But also like... So much more than than murder, than murder. Right? or or death. So the incendiaries came out in the spring, summer, summer. summer. It was a summer book. It is about a couple almost, right? And this this girl as she becomes deeper and deeper involved in this weird culty moment, and what it does to their relationship, and what it does to her, and as she goes down a road involved with this cult that isn't isn't necessarily calling itself a cult, but it's definitely a cult. Um, and all of the weird crimes that they commit as um, as she gets involved. And it's like, it's a super fascinating exploration of her and like her kind of psyche because you're so on the outside of her because the book is written from the point of view of the boyfriend. 
Yeah. Do any cults call themselves cults? I don't know. I feel like like, like Nexium was like, like pretty like, like afterwards. Mm. Everyone's yeah. like that was a cult. I was a cult. <laughs> I don't know. Aren't they like Scientology? They're like yeah, sure, we're culty. Um, <laughs> no, they're fully in that. We are a religion, and we yeah, would not yeah. like to be taxed. No, no they don't. <laughs> they, they have they, a church. Have a cult. <laughs> church. Uh, but she. It's very much written from the point of view of him. Mm-hmm losing her mm-hmm. and losing her through mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. Um, and what that does to her and how like weirdo re- like psych- pseudo religious she becomes and like crimes that she commits outside of things that they're doing as a cult it's so good so good do you loved it yeah it's so good. It was, I think, in like in your preview was you were like this one. This one's for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I've had it on my list for Christmas for what I'm going to read. But I think I saw. I think maybe it was like Bon App had a thing about how well uh, she writes about food in that book. Yes. Yeah. And she's a huge foodie too. Um, she did a whole Grub Street diet actually of writing about her meals for the day. She's uh, a great one to get food food advice from. In addition to being a great novelist, so my many kind skills. of girls. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to fight for the next spot? Can I have a book that's not new? Yes. So, but I've had the sort of joy of discovering an author and then realizing that you have all the books they've written to start reading, which is I, over Thanksgiving, I sat by the fire at my in-law's house and read House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. And I couldn't Mm. put it down. And it is one of the most beautiful books I have ever read. And it was my god all right i'm taking it none of you have read it no it's amazing (laughs) it was written in the early 80s it was her first novel and she went on to write many more it traces the lives of this family over the course of sort of four generations in i think it's sort of an unspecified latin american Mm -hmm. country she i think is chilean i think she was born in peru it has a little bit of a touch of like magical realism in it but it's also just a like an absolute page turner of like a family saga and also really examines like politics in Latin America. Um, there are parallels in what happens in the book to things that I think are happening all around the world right now in this country and in Europe. And you just fall in love with all the characters. And she um, dedicates the book to all the women in her family and the female characters in that book are just incredible. Okay, I'll follow that. Great recommendation. Yeah, Yeah, she was given a Lifetime Achievement Award this year, actually at the National Book Awards, and I was sitting at my table feeling like, damn. She gave an incredible speech, and I just, I've never read her, which is a huge lacuna. Yeah, and then I found out that so many people I know have read this book and love it, and I was like, how did did they read it in high school or college? Or just, they just had read it. They're just just better read. read. I think they just better read than me. (laughs) (laughs) Seems unlikely. <laughs> Thank you, Paulie. <laughs> so, with adding uh, Isabel Allende's book to our list, is there any other book that you guys are very excited to read in 2019? What about a book I'm like just started 10 pages into and will probably finish in 19? Are you is that excited? Count? Is it exciting oh my God, for the I, first 10 pages? Like, I'm desperate to go home and continue reading it. Then, yes. Shoot. Um, Asymmetry by Lisa Halliday. I was doing my. Uh, I'm going on a big trip in two weeks and I was like doing a bunch of year end aggregating through the millions and the New Yorker and the New York Times. And uh, I think all three of it was like a nexus of all of my trusted resources were like, read this one. It is a book about they're like it's told in two parts about three parts, three parts. Spoiler. (laughs) 
Um, I only know about two gin. <laughs> the third is quite short, but yeah, okay. this is three. Is that the coda they all reference? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's kind of two with a coda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's told in three parts, I guess. Uh, but the first part was I'm only 10 pages in is about a girl, like a young girl who's just starting out working in publishing who meets a, a very prolific, famous writer who I think is like very thinly veiled Philip Roth. <laughs> and their May-December romance. And then the second part, um, I'm less clear on because I'm not far enough into it, but I believe it's about a man stuck in an airport. Does that sound right to you? No? Uh, in war. In war. Yeah. No, not in, uh, not not in transit. Very different places. Not in transit? No? My, my terrible confession is I read the first of these three parts and then like barely skimmed through the rest. And no, just, are you I, sure not in transit? No, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Okay. And <coughs> I, I can't believe I'm even admitting this on this podcast. I just read it to get the purient dirt on her her thinly veiled relationship <laughs> with Philip Roth, and then I put the book down. That is pretty much why I'm like, I, I need to read that. I apologize to everyone right now. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's also the first third fascinating. <laughs> it's um, it's beautifully written. And I really am excited to take it on the road with me. I have a few things on my Kindle. I just got a Kindle. I've never had a Kindle before. Ooh, how do you feel about it? I feel like I had a 33-pound weight limit. I'm going on safari for the first time in my life. And I had a 33-pound weight limit. And so I never... I Listen, I love ebooks. I'm a big supporter of the ebook community and ebook publishing. But I like reading physical books. I just like sitting in a place reading a physical book. Meredith has like embarrassingly embarrassingly caught me walking down like subway platforms reading a book. I've like run into her and been like, Polly? Um, Polly? Hi, Polly? Uh, look up. Hello, Polly. <laughs> um, I like holding a book. I like feeling a book. So I have just procured my first Kindle. It was a Hanukkah present. That's, I mean, that's why I got my first, it was a present to me because we went on vacation to the British Virgin Islands when I was younger and we had to go in a tiny little prop plane. Yeah. Same situation a lot Wait, of times as Safari. And like my parents were like, we are sick and tired of paying for all these library books that you then return full of sand. And so we're going to get you this Kindle so that we don't have to worry about you bringing like 15 books for our seven day stay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can load it up, guys. There's a thing about Kindles that everyone tells you and you don't listen to. It can hold so many books. It's kind of magic. Um, <laughs> you know what's a weird thing everyone with Kindles? Everyone says it. There have been certain books that I have not been able to get into on a Kindle. And then mm. when I've read the physical copy, I've managed to get into it. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. And I can't figure out. Yeah. It Is must it? totally be my own yeah. weird psychology. I also would buy that there's like a certain moment of digging into a book where you're like, I have so much left to go. And you like are so excited to sink into a book because mm -hmm. you know you've got a good length of time left. You're like you on Kindle, you, it'll tell you like, like you never, have seven minutes till the end of this chapter. <laughs> you're like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm stressed out by the like lack of, I don't know where I am in this mm -hmm. moment because mm -hmm. I find that indicator bar not helpful. Not helpful. I have mine set on a percentage. So yeah. it will say, like, I'm your 60% through that book. But, but like, that's still, like, hard. It still could be really demoralizing <laughs> or confusing. Yeah, it's just, I prefer, anyways, I prefer holding physical book, but for the trip. See, I find that sometimes that, like, is works out in my favor, kind of, in that I'll be so into a book and then it'll end and I won't have looked down and I'll be like, if I had been reading, I would have been preparing for mm. something to happen because mm -hmm. I would know that there was mm -hmm. only physically this much mm -hmm. left. And sometimes I'll get to the end and be like, oh my God. Yeah, that's it like how did I miss <laughs> this is amazing um, because I won't like kind of know the arc of okay well at this probably mm -hmm. chunk of the book when I hold it like mm -hmm. something will have happened you know around this time mm -hmm. it's also demoralizing though that it shows you 
in your library all the books that you haven't finished and how far you got in all of them and they just sit there it's these constant reminders it's not like when you have the physical thing and you just put it on a shelf yeah, and it looks like it looks, looks really it. good but you could also here's a thing I learned you can use it to hide your secret books like the books that you don't want anyone to know you're reading which is not a thing that everyone does it is a thing that everyone does, does. <laughs> you can use it because there's no jackets yes also true Jin what are you excited for in 2019 well, there's the three and a half pound book that I'm reading right now. <laughs> is that um, secret or is that coming out? It's old. It's even older than Isabella Allende's. Oh, it is a thousand years old, and <laughs> I like these guys are looking at me like, uh, uh. <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> no, no. It's are not. you reading the it's, Magna Carta <laughs> in large font? <laughs> we don't have to spend long on this, but uh, it's uh, the oldest novel known in human history and it was written by a woman which a lot of people don't know it's called The Tale of Genji and it was written in Imperial Japan and it's like 1200 pages or something I'm reading it for book club because I'm I have the nerdiest book club ever. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have the most intense book club. I love them. That's how not like that Jane Fonda <laughs> film. <laughs> how long do you have to read that? Uh, we like to do a big hefty one over holidays. So so we're meeting January 27th or something. So, okay. But I am. I, it's a page turner. I am <laughs> devouring this thing. And it's this, this proto-feminist text. It is all about how patriarchal and badly behaved the men of imperial japan are and she gets in dig after dig after dig at them and it's there's something so mystical to me about the fact that i can sit in new york city hold a thousand page book that a woman wrote you know literally a thousand years ago and it made it you know she wrote it by hand it has survived time it has survived empires that definitely didn't want that kind of thing being read by other women and it's made it to us it actually ties like weirdly into the Rebecca Traster. I mean, it's really yeah. in Lauren Groff. It's like it's like the Lauren Groff of Japan of the, of <laughs> the year, you know, nine hundred ninety or something. But it's for the total nerds. It's really a good one. But on the on a on a way way lighter note, way lighter note for two thousand nineteen, <laughs> you could literally for, pick any book. You know, literally the rest of America besides me and my weird book club. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has her first new novel in a number of years uh, coming in June, and I love her fiction. I really love Signature of All Things, which was back in two thousand thirteen. This one is about showgirls in nineteen forties New York City and. It's a good, like, young, naive girl comes to the city to live with the aunt and, like, whoa, things are crazy. But what I love is Liz does a novel where women are allowed to behave quite badly and have very active sex lives and live out a happy life alone and single, not to, like, totally spoil where it goes, but where, you know, they're not punished for, for having a lot of sex and they also don't need a man. Like, the, the, the path towards the happy ending is not because, like, oh, I found a man and everything's okay. So, good on her. Ollie, what are you excited to read next year? Um, well, it's already out. It came out a few months ago, but it is, and I am going to butcher her last name but it's my year of rest and relaxation oh by, tessa mushvig yes thank you um and <laughs> thank you I, for that <laughs> i will also say that all of the books that we've mentioned will be in the show notes so if at any point I sh we should have mentioned this earlier but if at any point you're like oh man i wonder how you spell that thing it'll be in the show notes i have only heard fantastic things about this book i don't know jen have you read it i have F fantastic and i haven't read eileen either which is also supposed to be I totally. liked it more than Eileen. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think if you if you want to know where to start with Atessa Mashvig, I, I think this is a great one to do it with. Okay. All right. 
I'm going to yeah. get back to you guys about it when we reconvene next year. As I mentioned before, you can find all of these books in our show notes. Uh, but if you want to follow any of these people on their reading journeys, most people post what they're reading uh, on the internet. Uh, where can people find you, Jen? It's Jin with either three or four N's, J-Y-N-N-N-N-N-E, depending if people robbed, robbed got there first before me. <laughs> no, um, number of N's. So and Polly. Again, this is pretentious and I'm sorry, but it's like 10 years old and I can't change it. It's still the same. Um, you can find me on Instagram only at Matin of Soul, which is French and annoying, but it's my favorite painting. That's M-A-T-I-N-A-U-X-S-A-U-L-E-S. Sorry, guys. I never knew what it was a reference to. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's my favorite. Again, still pretentious. Um, the way, you're talking to the person reading Tale of Genji. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> safe space. Safe, really um, safe. It's my favorite Monet painting. Okay, Beautiful. And Lale, as usual. You can find me at Lale Hannah on Instagram. That's nice and easy. It's as it should be. Still got a name. No one can spell. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. You can read a bunch of stories, some about books, some not, at cntraveler.com. And find us on the internet at cntraveler on Instagram and Twitter, Connie Nass Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. That is all. <laughs> <laughs>